So my name is uh, Jeff Lennon. I'm one of the elders here at Mountain View. And I wanted to talk to you today about, well, the last three to five years hasn't been easy for me or my wife. Let's be honest, it hasn't been easy for anybody. But I didn't really want to talk about that. What I wanted to talk about is how God got us through. Right? I've had some you know, personal health issues and the stress of job and what's going on in the world can very easily get to be where it's just too much, you know, where you got nothing left, where all you can do is just cry out to God and just say help. The good news is he does. He hears you. Um, I want to tell you about some of the things that God has showed, you know, my wife and I over the last few years and what a help it's been to us and how our relationship with God has grown and our relationship with each other has grown. So over the last few months, we've heard some very good teaching from Justin about Jesus Christ through the Bible. And the purpose of the Bible, as Justin said, is really to reveal uh, who God is to us, right? And to reveal what his will for us is. God describes himself in the Bible as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today about God the Father. I want to talk to you about the scriptures that show some of his um, characteristics. I want you to understand a bit better of who he is. We see, uh, the, we'll see the great intimacy that he shares with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and more importantly, the invitation that we have to share in that very close relationship. Finally, we'll talk about the right relationship with God the Father and what that has uh, the impact on our own healing and every aspect of our lives. So let's start in Galatians 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. That's Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So, let's break that down a little bit. Just to get the basics out of the way, in the Bible, if we're talking about God sending Son, it's God the Father who's talking. Right? So, all that sounds familiar. What about the next part? That we might receive adoption into sonship. God didn't send His Son just to get us out of trouble. God didn't send His Son just to to share in their presence. God sent his son so that we could share in that sonship and become heirs. People, we have access to so much more than we dare to dream about. Yeah. It's right there. We just have to ask God and trust him and be willing to change. What I want you to understand is God the Father 
didn't do that out of a sense of responsibility. He didn't do it out of a sense of duty. He did it out of love. God the Father loves you greatly. All of this is about his love for you, for me, for the world. We'll come back to and touch on the meaning of what Abba Father means later. What I want to move to now is uh, in James and touch on a very repetitive theme in the Bible that's still very important today about how the Father cares for those who can't care for themselves. All right, so we'll move to James 1, verse 27. Again, James 1, 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained of the world. So God the Father is concerned about taking care of the weak, the helpless, the people who can't take care of themselves. The Father is concerned about and wants to care for them. Sometimes, church, in the grind of daily life, I think we all feel that way. Right? Where we don't have enough, we don't have anybody, we're all alone. I want you to know the good news. God the Father is looking out for you. He wants to help you. Right? He's there for you. I mean, I, I've been there, you know, this past week, right? Where you, you get, it's stress of the job, stress of the family, stress of illness. And you realize, God, I can't do this. I have no idea how to solve this problem. So what he's been waiting for us to do is to give those problems to him. Say, God, I can't do it, but I know you can. So I'm going to put this down. I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to listen and obey, and I'm going to be okay. And guess what? It works. I'm learning to try it more. I'm not there yet, but we'll get there. Jesus tells us that he has overcome the world. You know, John 16, 33. There's nothing that's too much for God, right? So he can take everything that we can throw at him and plenty more. James tells us that we're supposed to take care of the orphans and the window, widows, but I also think he's telling us, you know, in those times and those place, we just need to let God take care of us. He loves us very much. All right, so the next section, next aspect of God the Father I want to talk about is prayer. So uh, we understand that God the Father loves us and he wants to comfort us and the weak and the helpless. He also says... Uh, in Matthew and Luke, um, when Jesus taught us how to pray, uh, we'll look at that uh, in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, Jesus is clearly saying here that we're supposed to pray to the Father. Later in verse uh, 9 through 13, he tells us how to pray. Now, this will probably be very familiar, but let's listen and we'll break it down a bit uh, further. So verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, just going to touch on a couple of things. I could talk all day about prayer. But I want to make the points. The first thing that Jesus does as he's teaching his disciples how to pray is recognize God the Father. Of first importance to Jesus always is the kingdom of the Father and that the Father's will be done. What Jesus is showing us here is that effective prayer has to come under the authority of God the Father. If we're not getting our prayers answered, we might need to evaluate, are we asking for what we need or what God the Father needs? What God the Father wants for our lives? We must recognize that it's about His kingdom and His will first. We must be submitted to God the Father. Right? Now, Submitted. That, that's a word that um, we may understand, maybe not. You know, if you're in the military, you probably have a pretty good understanding, right? The general gives an order, you go do what the general says. You know, in our own lives, it can be a little bit more difficult. I mean, so for me, okay, in business, if you've got something out there that I don't really know how to do this, I've got thoughts, I've got ideas, I'm going to run it by my boss. He's a good man. I tell him what it is. He's like, yes, go do that. All right, now you see what just happened there? It went from my burden to uh, I've got his blessing. I've got his authority behind me. All of that kind of just sweeps under the him. I can take a deep breath and relax because, all right, I know I'm aligned with the boss. Well, there aren't many bosses bigger than God and Father. The next part is what we need. Our daily bread and the forgiveness of our debts is our provision. What do we need to make it through the day? You know, this is more than just food and water. It can be strength, peace, a sound mind. It can be whatever you need. We'll come back to this later, but I do want to point out as part of prayer, please notice that it says our debts are forgiven as we forgive others. So this is conditional. It doesn't say uh, God forgives all of our debts, period. Right? We have to do something, and it's very important. We'll talk about this as it relates to forgiveness later. So for both of those things, there's... Oh, sorry. Um, so we've got through the debts. The last part is to lead and deliver us. For both of those things, there's recognition that we can't really lead ourselves. We like to think we can, but we really can't. So what we need to do is, again, who are we looking to? We need to look to God the Father for leading us and directing us So, in the way that we need to go. So we're to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We're to set the Father above ourselves and ask for the things that we need from a place of submission. And we are also to see that God the Father is the source of all of our provision. All of the things that we need come to us from the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Now, the next section that we get into is a little bit more you know, intimate about the relationship between the father and the son. So, best thing to do, what's the Bible say? Well, there's three times in the New Testament where uh, God the Father spoke where men could hear. Let's hear what a couple of them has to say. The first was just after Jesus was baptized by John. This is in Matthew 3, 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. So again, just for clarity, if the voice is talking is referring to the Son, that means who's talking is the Father. The next quote is from Matthew 17, 5, just after the transfiguration. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. A voice from the clouds said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So, two-thirds of the time that God spoke, what he was talking about was declaring his love for his son. That's a pretty good benchmark for all of us to go after. Do we speak that much love into the world? Do we speak that much love on our family? Do we speak that much love on our sons, our daughters? Okay? So the next thing, of course, what does the son say about the father? The passage that we'll go to is uh, John 5, 19 through 21. So again, John 5, 19 through 21. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. We can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. We see that everything that Jesus does comes directly from the Father. There's similar statements from uh, chapter 6 and chapter 14 in John that talk about the will of the Father and the authority of the Father and how those are shared with Jesus. In all of these passages, Jesus is describing his relationship with the Father. Now, I want to make a point here. None of these things are descriptions of limitations. Right? It doesn't mean uh, Jesus physically can't do something that his Father doesn't want. Right? That's not what they're saying. What he's describing is the level of intimacy between the Father and the Son. And how closely that their desires align. So, what does that mean if we put it in uh, a, a description or a story that we can relate to? So who is it that you are closest to? Who is it that you think the most alike? Who is it that you tell all your secrets, you share your life with? Right? You got that person in your head? You know, for me, it's my wife. Right? We've been married for 15 years. Uh, she's put up with me that long, and I'm, I'm forever grateful. We've been very good friends for more than 30 years. 
right? We talk, pray together, we communicate regularly, we actively try and work to understand each other. Well, let me give you a little surprise. We don't always see things the same, right? My will isn't her will, her will isn't mine. We, we're moving closer together, right? All of that's good, but it just doesn't happen in relationships like that. But what John is trying to declare here, or what Jesus is declaring in John, is that Jesus' will and the Father's will are perfectly aligned. He doesn't want to do anything but the Father's will. That is the point. Now, this is the next part that kind of blows my mind a little bit, so hang on. What we see is that we are invited into that great intimacy where the Father and the Son are one. We get invited to join them. So John 14, verse 19 through 21. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So Jesus says that we live because he lives. That's pretty basic. We saw a good example of that uh, today. When we, see, when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, we will understand that He is in the Father, and the Father is in Him. We also will realize that Jesus is in us, and we are in Jesus. We have eternal life because Jesus Christ died in our place. Jesus links the basics of salvation to understanding the intimacy between the Father and the Son, and Christ in us. We're clearly invited into that intimacy between the Father and the Son. We've touched on the intimacy in marriage. What he's describing here is so much more, right? This is something I think is so untapped that we really need to reach into. Your Father, Jesus Christ, they love you so much. They want to do so much more for you, but we have to ask, right? We have to seek it out. They're not going to just force their will on us. We have to realize that what they want for us, what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what they want for us is so much better than what we want for ourselves. That's the message. In the second half of the passage that we just read in John 14, Jesus says that those who keep his commandments is the one that he loves. So, what is Jesus' commandments? Right? We know these. He said he could summarize uh, them as love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. That's the first one. And the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, now comes time for the hard questions. Do you love God the Father the way that we're commanded do you know God the Father well enough to love Him the way that you need to? I hope so. Um, but the reality is, 
A lot of people struggle here because of their earthly fathers. There's lots of people who have been hurt really badly in a lot of different ways by their earthly fathers. I love my father very much and he loved me. We had a great relationship. The older I got, the more experienced in the world, I began to realize that this is kind of unusual. There's some studies that show 90% of people have never heard their earthly father say, I love you. That breaks my heart, church. Don't raise your hand, but how about you guys? The numbers don't change too much whether you're in a Christian household or not. If you've been struggling with what I'm teaching and what I'm trying to say about God the Father, is it because you have problems with your earthly father? There's a lot of people that have been damaged emotionally, physically, or spiritually by their earthly fathers. This is one of the major problems or blocks the true intimacy with God the Father. You have to forgive your earthly father for all of the hurt caused by his failings, whether he did not give you the love and the acceptance that you needed or deserved, or if there's a deliberate emotional or physical damage that he received. The Bible tells us clearly that we are supposed to forgive. We are forgiven by the measure that we forgive. Not forgiving somebody is kind of like me drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So, let me tell you a story about my grandfather. I learned this lesson at an early age. He, uh, well, he was an interesting story, but he had a problem with my Uncle Mike, his brother-in-law. I mean, he hated the guy because he felt that my Uncle Mike had turned him in because he was receiving some social security checks that he didn't really deserve. And he just couldn't let go of that. I mean, it was years. The whole time I grew up, I heard about that every time that I was there. And you could see the, the destruction that it was doing to him. I mean, my father talked to him. It's like, look, you know, carrying this hate around, I mean, that can impact your salvation your relationship with God the Father in all eternity. His answer was, I know, I can't let it go. Don't do that. Forgiving someone doesn't condone what they did to you. It doesn't mean their actions are okay. God judges each of us by our own actions. Forgiving someone gets us back in the right relationship with God. It recognizes a trust in God to handle things properly and releases us from the false need to deal with the problem ourselves. So please, if you have anything against your father, forgive him. It's the only way to be truly free of those hurts, habits, and hang-ups and accept the love of your father in heaven. That's why a lot of the healing ministry, CRs, no different, uh, focus on the understanding the love of the Father early on in those ministries and the healing recoveries. Now, I do want to say a few words of encouragement to the fathers in the house. 
Because, let's be honest, we are the example to our children of God the Father. That's just how it's going to be. That's how God set it up. He talks to us about a father because we all know what it is. Let's be honest. We all have one. One way or another. So, I want to make sure you all understand we all get it wrong. We all make mistakes. That's okay. We're saved by grace. And grace alone. We need that grace and mercy every day for the things that we don't get right. But we must be involved with our children. We must love our children in a way that they know they're loved. And it certainly doesn't hurt to tell them that you love them. I love you, Carl. You're a good kid. When the time comes when we make mistakes, then take that to God, your Father in Heaven, and ask to be changed. People, this is the good news. Once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we get to ask for and expect to be changed. This is the process of sanctification. We get to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to be more like Christ. Check out 1 John 3, uh, verse 1. But that's a different term. Alright, we're actually getting close to the end. I've got one more scripture. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received received brought about your adoption and assumption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's right, it says co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also receive his glory. So we are the children of God. We get to cry out to our Abba Father. So in modern English, Abba would probably be translated as Daddy. It's not some stale, formal relationship where we have to kiss the ring. This is our dad. This is the guy who picks us up and comforts us when we scrape our knees. You know, the one who brushes your teeth. Maybe that's just my house, but that's one of the things I do. Right? Read stories at night. This is the guy who loves you. This is your daddy who comforts you. That you know that you're safe whenever dad's around because he's going to take care of you. I'm going to tell you a short story about, you know, my dad so you understand a little bit where I'm coming from. Um, my dad worked residential construction. So he uh, was showing my mom and my older brother, this was actually before I was around, one of the job sites. Now at this job site, there was uh, a dog that had a reputation of coming around and he was 
little friendly, little scary. He was, you know, a big one that put his paws up on people's shoulders and known for knocking over a couple of grown men, construction workers, not necessarily trail types. So anyway, my dad was um, coming out and he sees the dog coming. So he gets my mom, my brother in the truck, gets them safe, closes it up. Now most people would get in the truck, right? That wasn't my dad. He went in the back, grabbed the hammer, he waited for the dog. The dog took a look at my dad. He was galloping over, put his butt down on the ground, slid to a stop, decided he didn't want any of that. That's who my dad was, right? I felt safe with my dad. I knew there was nothing in the world that was going to get to me because they had to come through him. This is how it's supposed to be. Now, sadly, as we all grow up, we begin to see uh, our fathers through different eyes. Right? We begin to understand that, hey, they're human. You see some of the, the problems that we all have. And uh, it just looks a little different. What I want to tell you, church, is that feeling of safety, that feeling of comfort, that's the way it's supposed to be with God the Father. We never are supposed to lose that. He's our Father. That relationship never changes. Right? Whether it's a kid's eyes or adult's eyes, we still look at him the same way. The relationship we have with our earthly father pales into comparison by what we're supposed to have with God the Father. He's not some judgmental ruler who's throwing rules at you and edicts and sending you to your room, all the other stuff. He is a father that loves you. We're supposed to depend on God the Father for everything. The world tells us otherwise, but the Bible shows us that he is good. He loves us. It's much safer and better to depend on him than ourselves. Alright, so let's sum up what we learned about God the Father. Abba Father is personal and intimate. The Father takes care of the helpless. We pray to the Father, who is the source of all of our provision. The Father tells us how much he loves the Son. The Son does only what he sees the Father doing. We get to be included in the relationship between the Father and the Son. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we get to call out to our Abba Father. I hope I've been able to clearly show that the Father loves us. I hope everyone understands who the Father is a bit better. I hope that everyone wants to get to know their Father even better. Some of the things I've said today were a little hard to hear, then put those before the Father in prayer. He's a good Father. He will come to you. He'll help you if you ask. 
Now I want to do some ministry over those of you who have not had a good relationship with your earthly fathers. This may be a little new to some of you. I'm going to, get, I'm going to say some things that's consistent with the teaching about being loved by God the Father. If you're in agreement with those things, just accept them and perhaps allow them to repair or improve the relationship that you have with God the Father. If this message has stirred you up and there's some things that you need to get right with God, then take a minute. Let's do that right now before we move into uh, ministry. Thank you for turning the lights up. Um, the band would, would come up. prayer 